0: This is Inside the Writer's Head with Jessica Strasser, the Library Foundation of Cincinnati and Hamilton Counties' 2019 Writer-in-Residence. The Library Foundation's Writer-in-Residence program promotes writing, literacy, and creativity while furthering the Library's mission of connecting people with the world of ideas and information. Here now is Jessica Strasser. Hi everyone, this is your writer-in-residence Jessica Straser for this episode of Inside the Writer's Head. We have a huge treat. I had the privilege of being invited to host James Patterson at the uh, School for Performing Arts here in Cincinnati on his tour for his new releases and he agreed to let us record the conversation live for this episode of the podcast. So that's what you'll be hearing in the minutes ahead. Enjoy. Hi everyone.
1: Uh, oh my God. Oh my okay, gosh, that's, that's so great. Good. Who's in the front row? All our relatives, that's nice. (laughs) Oh no, they have these light things, you can't see anything. I'm going to keep doing this because I like to look at the people, okay? Hi. Hi.
0: James, thank you so much for adding a Cincinnati stop. I I thought you were on book tour. I just found out you're not even on book tour. He is celebrating three new releases within the past eight days.
1: I'm just here to be here. But I don't know. Yeah, at this stage I don't think about it. Hi, little guy.
0: <laughs> I think I speak for everyone when I say we are so excited uh, to have you here. Um, so nice to be had. <laughs> even though we're not going to spend too much time talking about your new releases, um, let's talk a little bit about what's new, uh, just one at a time since I know these are the books. The audience is the most excited to get their hands on tonight. I'd love to start with uh, Killer Instinct. Well, you've got an adult thriller, a middle grade adventure story, and even a picture book co authored with your lovely wife, Susan, down here in the front row. Um, let's start with Killer Instinct, the thriller. This book features the investigative duo from your 2017 bestseller, Murder Games. Yeah. Which was the basis for the CBS TV show, yeah,
1: crime drama *Instinct*. This book is not that good, but it's ten times better than the TV show. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, I mean, uh, I, why do I blank on his name all the time? Help me out, Aaron. Alan Cummings. Alan Cummings. He's great, but they wouldn't let him loose in the show, you know, which they needed to do, but. Uh, I think the cool thing about this show was it's the first time that um, a network show had a gay leading person, so it was kind of cool.
0: So after two seasons of the show, and it's been a couple years uh, since Murder Games came out, which was republished as Instinct, after the show was called Instinct. Yeah, because then
1: we get people to buy it twice. It's so clever. (laughs) You know, I think I read this one. I'm not sure.
0: (laughs) How did you decide uh, where you wanted to pick up with these characters uh, for a second novel and what the premise of the next installment should be?
1: I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, it, it's, um, it's always the same thing in the sense that you want to get people more and more interested in the characters. And the two leads are, you know, they have a kind of a nice, not so nice chemistry with one another and... That's always good, and I don't know what's the what's the second book? What are you talking? Oh, Max! Max, I love Max.
0: Max Einstein. Max Einstein. Has
1: anybody read any of the Max? Any of the kids read any Max Einstein? Yay! I like you so much. What's your name? You're the only one raising your hand. (laughs) Now, anybody else? Max, here's the thing about the kids' books, in my opinion. You know, like my own. Estimation, you know, there, in terms of mystery books, I think there are half a dozen or a dozen mystery writers who are as good or better than me. But in the kids area, I really think I'm really, really good. So mystery is pretty good, but kids stuff really, really, really good. So if you're a teacher or you're a parent or your grandparent, whatever I cousins, you know, whatever, you have to get your kids reading, and that's why I'm doing the kids books. Max, um, actually, the Einstein estate. Uh, came, they came to me, and they came to Scholastic. Well, I have a little imprint, Jimmy Books. They came to my, my imprint, and they came to Scholastic, and they came to Disney, and they had kind of a shootout. Um, and they said, we wanted to um, create uh, some books that would talk about Einstein's theories, but they're very smart, Einstein people, and they said, but it'd have to be entertaining or the kids won't read them. So we won the, there's a phone call for somebody, okay? Yeah. Pretend it's like the movies. You know, the thing comes up and it's, I don't know, they always have something funny and, you know, it's okay. You're a doctor, right? It's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Heart surgery? Go ahead. Thank you. All right. Um, so, and, and we won the thing, so we got to do the Max Einstein books and they're, they're, um, Well they had when they
0: just gave you the name, right? And what set your idea apart was you thought Max should be a girl.
1: I yes, I did thought I thought Max they gave they gave us the name Max Einstein and I said I I, you know, I'm not gonna insist on it, but I think it would be nice that Max is a girl. Once again, not to be condescending about it, but there still are a lot of places where it's important that girls consider being scientists and mathematicians and you know, more than, than are considering it right now. So yeah, that was that was a piece of it. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And the stories are so high energy. Max literally cannot, get sti- cannot sit still. She's yeah. after an adventure every day. And the, the scientific theories are blended in in a way that seems very inherent to the character, Yeah, and not and, and like a lesson.
1: What happens in the, like the first scene, literally, Max is, when we, when we meet her for the first time, she's in New York City, she's homeless, like 12 years old and she's living in this building with a, a lot of homeless people, and the two bottom floors are heated because they have horses there, but the human parts aren't heated, and Max says that um, she, uh, she goes to the person, sort of the spokesperson for the homeless people, and she says, I have an idea on how to heat the whole building, but we have to get uh, the manure from the horses, and then we'll turn it into methane gas. So this was perfect because kids would love it because it's about poop, <laughs> and uh, but it's also about science, you know. So that was my whole deal with the Einstein that I would write about science, but kids would would, would love to read it. So yeah, like that. And it keeps going on like that. We talk about urine and no, 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 just <laughs> just just poop. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: you've talked in a lot of other interviews about how important it is to grip readers not just with a plot, but with a memorable, original character. Mm. Um, and you have so many of them that have legions of fans. So if your game, I'd love to do just legions
1: a l- sounds a little demonic.
0: Legions, uh, legion.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Scores and scores of scores millions of, of fans.
1: I like legions better actually. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so if your game, I was thinking we could do kind of a speed round where I name off some of your most popular series characters, and you tell me just in a sentence. First thing that comes to your mind, uh, of the thing that you think readers readers respond to, the thing you think readers—what is it about the character that you think readers love? Okay. Are you ready? Are you game? Yeah, sure. All right, Alex Cross.
1: (laughs) Who say? I I think I I, I think people really like the whole family. It's um, you know the notion of because I think we can all identify with obviously. His job is harder than most people's because he's a detective and we throw him into impossible situations. So his life is very dangerous, but he has to balance that with his family. So I think that's a key um, component of the Cross series.
0: Uh, Lindsay Boxer from Women's Murder Club.
1: Oh, um, thank God you gave me that hint. I'm kind of like, is that the senator from California? or you know? Um, I grew up in a house full of women—mother, grandmother, three sisters, two female cats. Hello. <laughs> Come on in. Yes. Come on up here. You can it's just talk. Just Michael. Um, three sisters, two female cats, and the buzz and Paris still in my head, and that's kind of what the Women's Murder Club is about. Uh, I like—I love the idea of putting four women together. Uh, who are unlikely a little bit. You got a, you know, a, a detective and then a, um, a, a journalist and a, a medical examiner and whatever the hell the other fourth person is, you know. And um, um, and they cooperate. I mean, it, it'd be hard to get men to do that because men when men four men get in the room and they all go, I got it, I got the answer, I know what it is, you know. Uh, and women <laughs> they'll go like, well, What do you think? What do you think? You know. So I thought that was kind of cool. <laughs>
0: Uh, what about Maximum Ride for the kids
1: yeah um, I w- when I was thinking about doing the, the Maximum Ride series so I'm actually gonna do a new one now called Hawk Has anybody read Maximum Ride here yes. okay yeah I like you um, and uh, Hawk is Max's daughter 15 years old now so that's cool But before I started writing it, I loved the idea. Actually, I I went to some literary thing down in the south, and I was writing, they were bringing me there, and it was all these swamps. They don't call them swamps, they call them something, but they were swamps. They call them something prettier than that, Thailand or something, you know, they're swamps. And there were some birds flying out over the swamps, and I was going like, that would be so cool to fly. So the idea of writing about flying with a human perspective to me was, um, I, I love that idea, and that's what got me into writing about Max. Max Einstein, or Max Einstein, I'm getting my, my, my uh, uh yeah, Maximum Ride. Um, that's her name, actually, because she was brought up in a lab, and she has wings, and, and, her, and her little group has wings. a little, And um, she didn't have a name, um, and actually her name was, was, was Max, Maximum, that was the name they gave her in the lab. And, uh, but she, she had read, and she loved Sally Ride, the astronaut, because you know, she's a fluke, sort of. So she took the last name Ride, Maximum Ride, yeah.
0: Very cool. Yeah. Um,
1: oh, was I supposed to answer these in one sentence? Uh-huh. <laughs> How am I doing? <laughs> you fail, F. Oh, <laughs> uh, sorry, Teach.
0: Uh, you work with a lot of uh, co-authors on your books, and you've done it over yeah. the course of... And you want to do it? I
1: know. The. Uh, we alternate words, you're too slow. <laughs>
0: you. uh, well, I was going to ask, you've done it over the course of enough co-authors and enough books that you... The you've... best
1: and the worst. Best Bill Clinton, worst my wife. No, no. <laughs> no. No, 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 I'm kidding. She's the best. You're the best.
0: I know you have fine-tuned your collaboration process, uh, maybe not with Susan, but with everybody else. Um, what makes a good co-writer, in your opinion? What do you obedient. look for? Oh, no, obedient. obedient.
1: Um, I, I always look for people that write good scenes. It's interesting to think about writers. Some um, are they are good writers, but they don't have much of an imagination, so they can't dream up the stories very well. And occasionally you find the same thing in the same person, which is rare. I'm more of a dream-up-the-story person. I'm an okay stylist, not great, but... Uh, but I like, I like people that, for my uh, co-writers, th- who can really write good scenes and, you know, who listen within reason. You know?
0: Is there any chance of writing another book with Bill Clinton? The President is Missing was uh, so well-received. Yeah,
1: yeah, there is. I mean, we're, we're talking. We're, uh, it, it, it's been a, a, a you know, we both grew up in small towns, and the town I, I grew up in, Newburgh, New York, nobody ever really came there. It was upstate New York, and um, at one point, when I was a little kid, Eisenhower came, and I never got closer than 200 feet. But I never forgot, you know, seeing Eisenhower. Just like you're never going to forget seeing the two of us, uh, never ever, until dinner. Um, um, so it was such a thrill to, to, you know, to be with him, and um, uh, you know, whatever your politics are, he's an interesting guy. I, I, I know. Uh, I know the Clintons now very well, and soon I have been out to dinner with, with uh, he and Hillary half a dozen times, and that's very good. She's um, she's not what you would think. She's so warm and funny and down to earth and not full of herself. When you sit with her, like you know, it's usually just the four of us, and it's a very kind of intimate thing. And uh, you know, it's like three or four hour dinners. It's really you know, it was it's a great experience. And obviously, they they, they know everything. They rem- They both forget nothing. You know, um, and he's always, you know, and he just goes on, and you get him, a, like when you go on the row with him, he'll, he remembers everybody that comes up. Like, oh yeah, Bill, you have that little pig named, uh, you know, whatever, and uh, you know, and remember where that little pig used to go, and the horse, you know, and everything. He just, and he won't stop. You know, you have to like, shut him up. So, uh, yeah. Seriously, I'm not kidding. That was my job, to sort of like, like when we get interviewed, I have to like, pull him back and say, Bill, we have four minutes. Get back to the book. Yeah, but I want to talk about something else.
0: Maybe I should have asked if you were going to co-author one with Hillary Clinton
1: That'd be cool, I like that idea No, I want to do Pope Francis Yeah, (laughs) in Italian and English
0: The Pope is missing? Huh? The Pope is missing?
1: (laughs) Yeah, that could could work
0: Uh, the collaborations begin with an outline that you have generated, yes. correct? Yeah. What is the level of detail in that outline and how does the process work? Is there a lot of back and the forth? The whole thing, or? the
1: quality of the writing, everything is superb. The weird thing is, I'm kidding. Um, one year when I was doing the book shots, the shorter ones, I did 2,600 pages of outlines in addition to two novels. I mean, that's really nuts. We actually, we had that su- Sunday morning, um, that, you know, that show, the CBS show. I that they that. came to visit, and they're nice. You I'm,
0: had those drawers and drawers I'm of book I'm pulling out these
1: drawers, and the, the journalist, is, he's, when I pull out, it was all the book shots. Mm-hmm. And the first couple, he's going, this is crazy, this is crazy. Around the fourth j- drawer, he went, James, you are crazy. <laughs> you know. yeah.
0: Are you uh, confirming that?
1: Can't you tell? Can you I- <laughs> tell? Remember we were backstage and you were like, oh my god, oh my god, do we, have to, <laughs> do we really have to go out front? <laughs> Can't we just keep this to ourselves? I, used to, I, worked at, I worked my way through college at a mental institution. Did you really? Yeah, I did. Well, it was, it was fascinating because I, at that point I was a good student but I was not a big reader and I used to work a lot of night shifts and I started oh, reading like crazy, reading? no all serious stuff, no like the crap I write. But it was a, play, it was a really t- terrific place. James Taylor was a the patient there. And this is before he was famous. But he used to sing at the coffee shop at least once a week. And he would sing you know, Sweet Baby James and Fire and Rain and all oh. these. And, it, and at that point, <clears throat> you know, he hadn't recorded anything. Uh, Ray Charles used to come. Uh, anytime he played in Boston, the deal was he had been convicted of heroin possession. And he had to check into McLean Hospital for like three days. Um, Robert Lowell, the poet, <clears throat> he used to check in there all the time. Patricia Cornwall, actually, now her um, uh, wife is um, um, is a doctor at McLean now, so, okay. so, so Patricia spends time there. Both as, no, she's not a patient.
0: <laughs> and she worked at a morgue before she was yeah, a writer. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Which good, you can tell train, from her novels
0: yeah. as well. Um, as the kind introduction from Joseph Beth had uh, mentioned, um, you have donated so much money over the years to independent bookstores and their employees. Why is giving back in that way so important to you? And why should everyone here um, consider supporting indie booksellers with their reading habits as
1: There's well? no reason. <laughs> I would, you know, go to... I, you know, I, I think, just as a way I was brought up, Giving back. And the, the coolest thing that we're doing right now, we'll, we'll see how this works out, but um, we spend about 10 months in Florida, and um, the percentage of kids that are reading at grade level in Florida is, right now is 43%. The best in the country, that's terrible, the best in the country is Massachusetts at 62%. So nobody's doing very well. University of Florida, where we have a bunch of scholarships um, for teachers. Uh, they have it up into they 've been testing a program, and they have it up into eight to eighty five percent of kids reading at grade level so we 're working with the state now to they they 've given us three counties and if it works and I think it 's going to work the, the whole state will will do this program, which basically has to do with preparing teachers a little better to to teach reading. because a lot of teachers at least in florida um they teach reading from preschool through fourth grade but a lot of them haven't really learned how to teach reading uh so that's tricky so so we help them Uh, i i don't personally but the program helps them
0: books do compete against um so many other forms of entertainment these days What do you think it is that people come to a book for, as opposed to playing on their smartphone or binge-watching the next TV series? And do you think what readers want from a good book um, at all ages has changed and is still changing?
1: Uh, Well, I think people don't have as much time. I mean, I'm not convinced that they don't have the time, but I think that they've Force themselves into situations where they don 't some people literally don 't i mean you got a family you got a job you know you, you may not have the time at all, but a lot of people they sit there on the little devices and just put the little device down more, and you know you 'll you'll, you'll have time to read for an hour a day. Um, I, the attention spans are obviously shorter than you know than they 've been. I think the real uh, issue is is really kids <clears throat> and um, and making sure that they 're at least competent readers because they I, I um, actually threw out a first ball at a Yankee game a couple of weeks ago, and I signed a bunch of books, and I would ask all the kids that come up, do you like to read? And there was about 50 of them, and 49 of them said, not really. And one kid said, yeah, I love to read. So that's a disaster. And a big part of that is uh, schools forcing kids to read an awful lot of stuff that's not relevant to them, and just not. So I, th- I think it's really important that uh, we make sure at least some of the stuff the kids are reading, they go. You know, with Jimmy Books, uh, the imprint I have at Little Brown for Kids, our mission is uh, when a kid finishes a Jimmy book, they'll say, please give me another book, as opposed to, I don't like to read. There are millions of kids in this country who have never read one book that they like. Uh, and that's correctable. We can, we can fix that. And we can fix, in 90% of the, chance to, to the cases, we can, we can turn kids into so they can be competent readers and they can finish high school. I do um, prison uh, tours a bit, and you'll go through these, you know, the, down the hallways, and it's mostly young males. And most of them read a lot now because they're in their cells 20 to 23 hours. Uh, and um, uh, had they been readers in grade school and high school, a lot of them wouldn't be there. So it's really real. There are two states. Um, uh, California, I forget the other one, I think it might be Iowa, where they um, uh, judge how many prison cells they're going to need based on third grade reading levels. Wow. Yep. To so get your kids reading. Or, you know, you see the little guy? You could wind up in jail. We don't <laughs> want that. <laughs> what? What is he saying? What did he just say? Why does he um, keep picking what on What I do. Me? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You'll never, you're, because you're here and you're going to be a big reader, it'll be great. You're going to run the world. You'll be the president. You can be the president right now, as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) But I
0: think you make a good point of, you know, let them read. You do
1: tweets?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Let them read what they want to read. I think I was fortunate to get good advice from, I have a neighbor who's a school librarian, and when my son started reading on his own, he was gravitating towards some graphic novels that wouldn't have necessarily been what I'd have picked. There was some bathroom humor. I don't want to name any names about which like series poop? it was, but you can yeah. guess. Um, and she said, we, we suck the love of reading right out of our kids when we take away what they want to read. Let them, let them read what they want to read. It seems like that's sort of your approach uh, But at there's all a
1: lot of good stuff. and good, you know, Every kid's book that I, that I do, like I have an iFunny series, it's about a kid who wants to be a stand-up comedian, a little kid. And I'm not into doing lessons for kids, but there is a lesson there, which is if you want to do something, you've got to really go at it. So what this kid does is he studies every comedian, he can study, and then he starts writing his own material. And but it's a it's called like funny, it should be funny. And in the first chapter, he goes to this um, funniest kid in America, the local contest, you know, like the local writer thing, which I know. He goes to this, it's our in-joke. <laughs> uh, he goes to this contest, a you know, local contest, and he's panicked, and he's sweating like a little pig, and because all he can remember are the punchlines. He can't remember any of the jokes. You know? And then in the second chapter, he talks about the fact that he can never actually be a stand-up co- uh, comedian because he's in a wheelchair. And then part of the story is about how comedy can take you through a lot of tough stretches and da-da-da-da, you know. So there's always something that's really, you know, in terms of every book that I do, I, "Potty Mouth and Stupid," which some gatekeepers, oh, I can't give that to my kid. It has "stupid" in the title. Well, you know, it's about, uh, you know, word bullies, <laughs> and these two kids get get those names when they're like four years old, and when they're 12, they're still being called potty mouth and stupid. And it's about how harmful that kind of thing is, and it, and it's funny. I mean, it's a good story, and you know. So it has "stupid" in the title. Don't be stupid. Give them potty mouth and stupid. You know, it's good. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and Alex Cross fans uh, with children in their lives might want to know there's an alley Cross series coming uh, with Alex's son as a Alex kid detective. Twelve
1: year old, yeah. This uh, holiday season, we have uh, we have an Alex Cross novel and then Ali Cross coming at the same time. It's it's a good story too. I th- I think the adults will like it. And, and, uh, uh, and, and it is a good, I mean, the whole key to, with kids is, is good stories. You give them a good story, they're, they're probably going to say, I liked it. Give me another book.
0: Well, with adults too, right?
1: Huh?
0: With adults too. Yeah, sure.
1: Give Absolutely. them a good story. Yep,
0: yep, yep. Uh, we're going to open up in a minute to audience uh, questions. I know some of you submitted them on slips of paper beforehand. We're paying
1: no attention to that.
0: But instead, uh, Michael Link from the library is going to come around yeah. with a microphone. Uh, while Michael is uh, coming out, is there anything else that you have coming up, James, How that you'd like to tell us about? How your daughter is
1: so close? <laughs> She's so almost on the That's stage. My daughter is climbing and onto the stage. Have some questions? <laughs> no, Bailey, barely May. If anybody okay, has a we? question
0: for James, you want to put your hand up. And uh, Michael is coming around right yeah, there.
1: Yeah, here comes Michael. Uh, it is a pleasure to meet you. All of your books are checked out of my school library. iFunny, Middle School, they just roll. Potty Mouth and Stupid. We love it, yeah. I'm kidding, yeah.
0: Um, what do you envision for your books for movies? Have you sold the movie rights? I love Maximum Ride. Yes, I'm going to sell
1: all the movie rights to all the books. iFunny, actually, I, be- I think Nickelodeon might be doing it now, so that's cool. Well, that's good uh, news. We Anything have a, about- another kid's book to Jeffrey Epstein... Um, the, yeah, filthy rich. Uh, yeah, um, uh-huh, yeah. I, I, well, you know, here's the weird thing about that. I wrote in 2016, "Filthy Rich," which is about Jeffrey Epstein in that horrifying situation, and it was all in there.
0: Wasn't he your neighbor?
1: Uh, a couple blocks away. A Couple yeah. blocks away. Uh, wasn't he your best friend? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> ooh, a little sneaky little. Yeah. Um, but when I when I did it, and the whole st- almost the whole story was there. Uh, he hadn't done a good job of killing himself yet, but, um, but and, and I went around, and it, it sold well and everything, but I went to CNN, and I went to Fox, and I went to NBC, and nobody would cover the thing. It was, like, crazy. I'm going, like, what are you people, nuts? The story is unbelievable, what this guy did down there, hundreds of young girls, and then getting a 13-month sentence, and, uh, you know, so I, I really scratched my head about media people. They didn't show up, right, the news people, you guys in there, are you here? So I can talk about you. Yeah, they didn't show up. See, exactly, proves my point. They are supposed to be here, one of the TV stations. But, but it's like, use your imaginations. I mean, it's not an accident that you know, news, well, you wanted to be a journalist. You're lucky, you're lucky you're not, because they're, they just don't know what they're doing. Okay, who has the next question? Did, did, did I answer that one? Yeah, kind of, sort of. All oh, the movie stuff, yeah. Well, you know, yeah. Supposedly, maybe Netflix. Uh, the president is missing. We're doing with Showtime. Um, that's kind of cast now, so that'll be that'll be interesting. Showtime does pretty good stuff. Yes, sir.
0: Um, what was filming like for middle school when you were the waiter?
1: What was the what like? Filming like filming. Uh, you know, of all the the stuff that we've done for. Um, TV and movies, that's my favorite, middle school, the worst years of my life. I thought that turned out really well. I was happy with it. I thought the actors were really good. I thought the kids were great. Um, I don't know, yeah, PBS, anybody seen um, uh, Kids Do? It's really good. It's a show on PBS that, that, that uh, I do, and it's about uh, just making learning really, really, really fun. It's, uh, it's sort of like the Discovery Channel meets Saturday Night Live. It, it's very funny in parts, and it's, and it's shot well, and, and that's the other thing that I'm particularly proud of. The TV shows, Instinct and Zoo, eh, you know. Alice Cross movies, we had Morgan Freeman, so I like that um, that part of it. Who's next? Stand up and say your name. Stand up and say okay. your name.
0: My name is Zach, and what Zach. is your favorite book that you wrote? What was what? What's your favorite book that you wrote?
1: So many choices. You know, um, the thing I'm proud of is is, to have created so many characters that are kind of memorable to people. Alice Cross and Maximum Rye, the Women's Murder Club, Michael Bennett, uh, um, Rafe in in middle school, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. My favorite adult book is probably Black Book, uh, which takes place in Chicago. I really, that one turned out, I thought, really well. you know, Long Came Spider and Kiss the Girls. Um, as a, potty Mouth and Stupid I like a lot, obviously. Um, I, there are a lot of them that I, and, and sometimes they don't turn out. You just go like, oh, well, I, you know, I thought that was gonna work, but it didn't. <laughs> Too bad. <laughs>
0: hey, I'm Parker. Um,
1: hey, Parker. Your middle school
0: book kind of got me into reading. Uh, what was the book that got you into reading?
1: I'm still not reading. Um, it was either War and Peace or Ulysses. I don't know, one of the two, Ulysses. I go back and forth on that. Um, I, what really got me, I was a good student because I wanted to get out of Newburgh, but I, uh, what really turned me on to reading, when I was working at the mental hospital, I worked a lot of night shifts, and I had to stay awake and sort of watch people sleep, and I just started reading like a mad person. I would go into Cambridge Mass uh, two or three times a week and, and just buy, and it was all sort of heavy duty stuff. Uh, I mean, it really was of the Dostoevsky kind of, because I just, I just wanted to read everything I could. So that got me going. Uh, I think in school, I went to Catholic school, I think they gave us a lot of books that most of us didn't, didn't like that much. So I, did, I didn't get turned on to, to reading until I was like a freshman in college. And then I, I, I read, really, a ton. I would read about 10 books a week. It was craziness, yeah. Hi, my name is Miles. How old were you when you started writing and what was your first book that you wrote? I was two (laughs) and uh, it was uh, its uh, actually our son Jack, he wrote his first book when he was six, Uh, wrote and illustrated, Uh, uh, Death of the Butterfly Catcher. Butterfly catcher gets on a plane, travels halfway around the world, doesn't catch a butterfly, gets on a boat, travels, doesn't catch a butterfly, gets on a train, Jack loves trains he catches the butterfly. Train stops, he gets off, he isn't looking, he gets hit by a train going the other way. Death of the butterfly catcher, butterfly flies away. Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember you know, my first book, but I remember Jack, the first one he wrote. So, far, so long ago. Peter Pan, I love Peter Pan, I love Treasure Island.
0: Tom Durrington, question for you. Uh, Particularly in the past, I've been very intrigued with your ability to create so many wide variances of strategies and design and whatever for your books. Now, hearing that a lot of them have been coming out of your initial design work, how have you managed to develop this ability to be so creative in so many different scenarios?
1: Oh, uh, I, I, I don't, I have a, in, in both of the, my work uh, offices, I have this stack of ideas, cleverly on the, it says ideas on the top, and it's really so creative. <laughs> uh, I just, I mean, it's more than I could ever, that was one of the things that got me into doing bookshots I just had so many ideas and, and nothing, to I, I just couldn't possibly put out any more books than I'm putting out, so it's just constant. I I don't know what it is. When I was growing up, we lived in the woods for a while, and I used to walk through the woods and just make up stories. So I think that's part of it. You know, I I, I don't know. It's just it's uh, it's my curse.
0: Oh, hi. My name is Sydney. Um, Do you have any new ideas for upcoming books, or is that too much information to share?
1: Oh yeah. Um, on the kid front, I'm, I'm doing something which I think is going to be cool. It doesn't. It, you wouldn't expect where it's going to go, but it's called Best Nerds Forever, uh, and it goes into it goes in a weird place. I won't get into where it goes, but it's um, on the adult front. Yeah, there's a, uh, there's actually a, it's it's sort of it's a kind of like if Michael Crichton and Stephen King got together. It's sort of sci-fi, but it's very accessible, which I'm very excited about. At least. For the first 150 pages, I think it's the best thing I've ever done. Um, yeah, it's always new stuff. Yeah. Other, there's, um, um, there's another one about a group of investigators for the Army. And a lot of nonfiction. fiction um, Doing a book, um, The House of Kennedys, which um, is stunningly fast-paced kind of thing about just the tragedies that the Kennedys went through, one after the other, after the other, after the other. Doing a book on John Lennon. Uh, which has me excited. Um, another uh, nonfiction book about uh, soldiers and uh, what it's really like to be a soldier. Yeah. Hello. Hi. My name is
0: Matt. I guess this is a little loud. Sorry about that. No, um, it's
1: good. We like it.
0: I love the Michael Bennett series. Thank you. It's amazing. But I was wondering if, if you right now have, a, have a, like a, favorite, a favorite author or a favorite book other than, other than yourself, um, <laughs> and what do you what what really uh, what do you find engaging in literature now? If you even have time to read at this point?
1: Yeah, no, I still read. I don't read as much as I used to. I'm kind of a book a week or maybe two books a week, so it's it's really slowed down. Um, I, you know, I, I read a fair amount of of nonfiction uh, now. When the political races start to go, I like to read the right and the left, see what everybody's thinking. Um, I, I, you know, there's I, I, nothing recently where I can go like, you know what, that Sally Rooney, I read hers. I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, I'm trying to think what I'm doing right now. Uh, there's um, a Robert Cray, new Robert Cray that I'm reading, um, a, a friend of mine, um, Schwartzman, who owns uh, Blackstone, he, just, he has his <clears throat> uh, autobiography, so I'm actually reading that now because he's asking me what do I think, so I have to tell him. <laughs> <laughs> One of those. I, no, I, I actually, I, it's pretty spellbinding. It, we're very similar in the sense that he's worth 16 billion and there's really no similarities, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, it's an interesting, he, the, the similarity is we both came from very modest. You know, in my case, I've been poor and then I was middle class, and then I was poor again and middle class, and now I'm rich. And on balance, I prefer being rich, but... Um, <laughs> I still, I I don't think, I I, I think that going through the other really um, has affected me as a human being and as a writer, so I'm really happy that I went through all the stages. At the time, it didn't seem so hot, but (laughs) poor it was not, it really wasn't that good.
0: I'm Jennifer. Um, hi, I'm Hi, Jessica. So with all the Are ideas... Are you friends
1: with Je- good friends with Jessica? Actually, we do know each other. <laughs>
0: Jennifer works at the Carnegie Center uh, in Lexington it's where I have... the Carnegie Center for Literacy and Learning.
1: Okay, okay.
0: So I kind of have a writing question for you. So yes. with all these ideas that you have, when you're looking at your ideas and you're trying to decide what your next book is going to be, is there anything in particular that you were looking for are there certain criteria or certain items things that you were looking for before you it's decide it's all like emotional
1: it. with me I, it's just that i'm really I, I get really excited to to do the thing you know for example i mentioned the military a friend of mine um every couple of years he's going off, over to afghanistan and self financed doing a little film i mean literally like two thousand dollars and you go to afghanistan and. Most of the films get on PBS and whatever, and this past time he went over with a friend of his, uh, Matt Eversman, and Matt had been the actual sergeant in Black Hawk Down, I mean he was like the real real deal, and when they were over in Afghanistan, Matt did all the questions in, in terms of the interviews that they did, and he was great because... He, the soldiers trusted him because they knew him because he's kind of a big he then ran Army Ranger he was a sergeant major in Army Ranger school for like seven years so there was that piece of it but he also knew what questions to ask and um, so and I thought about this book the concept of it is walk in my combat boots because it just struck me that I, I, and I got together with Matt and we've interviewed a, a couple hundred of you know, military people now and then I'll take the interviews and turn them into prose, but take the 25 pages and turn it into maybe five pages that really get the guts or the real major, or the incredible story And We actually had to give it to the lawyer at Little Brown uh, because we needed to get a release. And she said, I have no interest in soldiers whatsoever. And she said, I was just spellbound by these stories. And our hope is that at the end of it, people who have been through it will say, you guys got it right. And people who think they know what it's like and to be a soldier who think it's just about people that want to go over there and shoot people will go like, I had it all wrong. I'm an idiot. I didn't understand. So uh, the point being, getting back to your original question, uh, that got me excited uh, to do a book like that, which I thought was a really useful book and, and one that I was excited to put together. So like that. Thank you. Yeah.
0: Hello. Hi. <laughs> my name is Barb, and uh, my favorite book was The President is Missing, that you've written, and I just wondered if you could talk a little bit about how that all came about.
1: Um, we have this, uh, the president and I have the same lawyer agent, and um, he's, a big, he's a big reader, period. I mean, he does read 10 books a week. When you fly with him, he brings a bag with him that literally will have like 10 novels in it on the plane. It's ridiculous. Um, And he reads, uh, among other things, he reads a a lot of mysteries. And um, so the lawyer agent had always been trying to stimulate him to write a mystery and he wouldn't do it. So finally he went, uh, the agent, or the lawyer, he preferred to be called lawyer, and he went to the president and he said, would you like to write a book with Jim Patterson? And he said, why would you want to write a book with me? and then he went to me and i and i said yeah i'm I'm in (laughs) i think i'm in i'm in in the sense of let's get together and talk and and um so we got together and it was it was terrific so i wrote an outline and then he contributed to the outline and i think what separates the book is um that anything that takes place in the story if it happened that's how it would happen because he would supply the authenticity he said here's what the secret service would do Here's what happens when we go to the you know this room in the White House, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it's 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 very authentic, even though you know we push the envelope a little bit. Although all the stuff about um, uh, you know what happens in terms of, of uh, you know what can happen, uh, th- that could all happen. That's all that's all very real and scary. So who's next? Oh, right. uh,
0: I'm William. Uh, what would you do if you stopped writing?
1: What would I do if what?
0: Stopped writing.
1: Oh, I just it would, you know, it would be great. I would just be no tension and I'd talk slower and... Um, I, I can't imagine at this point not writing. I still, you know, have like 20% of my faculties and... Um, you know, I have a lot of stories that I want to tell. I'm, very, I'm still very excited about writing. Somebody said you're lucky if you find something in life that you really like to do. Uh, I think there's some truth there. And then it's a miracle if somebody will pay you to do it. So that's my situation. I love to do it. Um, I don't believe, I don't feel that I work for a living. I play for a living. It's play for me, you know, so. You know, they, they give me awards now, they'll, like these different writers groups will come and they'll give me a lifetime achievement, whatever. I think they'd like think I'm going to retire and it will open <laughs> up spots on the bestseller list for them. I, I go like, nah, dude, it's not happening. You know?
0: Hi, um, my name's Will. Um, you already made, or there was a Maximum Ride movie already.
1: And I know it's on Netflix. Oh, that thing was hideous. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It was very cheesy. But they shot it for bad. about $5. <laughs> um,
0: I was wondering if you were going to make like another. They lied. One? They
1: said it was going to be, they were going to do, you know, oh, it was awful, yeah. I mean, I, no, I say $5. That's an exaggeration. $10. $10. <laughs> Yeah. Are we going to do it? No, I, I'd like to. Um, and we actually, we've had, there were a couple of good scripts, and I, I don't know, you know, maybe. As I say, Netflix keeps like chirping, like maybe, maybe. I don't know.
0: Hi, my name is Michaela. Um, I was wondering, what's the key to becoming a great
1: author? Smart. You have to be really brilliant and smart. <laughs> I don't, you know, um, I, I think it's a. Part of it is, it's what I said about I funny you, you're you just compelled, you want to do it, I think you can't help wanting to do it, I think for most, I mean, I, I know there are a couple of authors, like, I remember the guy that wrote Day of the Jackal, Frederick think he had been a journalist, and he, he really hated to write novels, but he did it anyway. But I think for the most part, people that do it, they love to do it. So I think that's a big piece of it. I mean, you know, you, you have to kind of want to do it every day, um, and then, it's like anything else. I mean, you may want to be a basketball player, but you know, maybe you're not that good, so you have to do something else. But um, you know, part of it, you know, with writing, it's just you—you you, you just want to do it. I, I think that's 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 a key thing. Imagination, obviously, is a big part of it. Yeah.
0: Um, my name is Briley, and um Is that what? really your name, Briley.
1: Michaela, Michaela. Yeah, that's our our friend, my our son's best friend at Brown. She's a Michaela. Yeah, okay. You're not her, are you? No, you're not. Okay, go ahead.
0: What encouraged you to start writing?
1: Um, When I was working at the mental hospital, I, I read, 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 read everything, and then I started scribbling stories, and I just loved to do it. I hadn't done it before that. And I just really enjoyed it. And then I showed some of them to some people. And I was very lucky. I went to graduate school at Vanderbilt. And um, I took a creative writing course there. And it was, it's an interesting thing because I was sort of a northern hippie, long hair, whatever. And the professor was a really ultra-conservative southern gentleman. And so he couldn't have been farther apart in a lot of ways. But he loved my writing. So he really took me under his arm. And he said, you know, you have it. You have the whatever that thing is. So uh, it was a combination of loving to do it and then getting some encouragement. You remember we're going for another hour? I uh, said yeah. we could. You remember that? Yeah. I think we have time for one or two dinner? more. Yeah, well, two more. it'll be attrition until, like, everybody has left to do it slowly, one by one. And, <laughs> and you're going, like, oh, my God, seriously? No, we got to go, you know. We, we, our reservation... At Taco Bell. You don't have reservations at Taco Bell. You just go in. That's a lie. Just made that up. Hi. Right now I'm reading Cat vs Dog. Okay. So what Who's side winning? Would, what side would you be on? Cat or dog? I'm on both sides.
0: You know, what side are you when on? I went
1: around with President Clinton. He, he he loved this. He said I could be a great politician because when I was growing up, I lived in New York, so I was a Yankee fan. And then my family moved to Massachusetts and I became a Red Sox fan. So I liked the Red Sox and the Yankees. And that's why I can say I like cat and dogs. I do. I've had when we were a kid at one point we had this is bizarre, we had twelve Doberman pinchers. Yeah. And one cat. But the dog and Pinchers ate the... No, no, no. So I like... Uh, no, they, they wouldn't eat cat. They don't like cat. The humans is what they like. <laughs> Just kidding. So I, I like both. Do, you, do you, are you like the book so far? Yeah. Okay, thank you. Thank God. Who do you, you like, the cat or the dog? You never should ask that question. The dog. He likes it's the, the dog. Dogs? Okay, all right, okay, okay. It's a boy dog. You sure it's because it's a dog? Do you have a dog at home? Yeah. Okay, all right. Um, do you think your your son will ever be as good as a writer as you? No. <laughs> you know he um, he doesn't want to be a writer. He wants to be other things. But it's an interesting thing when you're a parent or when you're the child of somebody who's a little well known, um, and because. You know, it can influence you in your life a little bit. And what we would always do with Jack Sue and I is like, look, it's no big deal. I write some books. Who cares? It's not a big thing. So don't get a big head about it, and don't let anybody bother you about it. And so he's pretty adjusted. And where he goes to school, like I mentioned, you know, uh, Governor Cuomo's daughter there, and there's a couple of Kennedys and whatever. And they're all pretty down to earth. They uh, and they learn to get kind of past it. But it's it's kind of a it's kind of a thing to. Uh, you know, to, if you have a parent who's, who's, who's kind of done stuff. But he doesn't, he doesn't, he's a good writer. I think he's a better writer than me right now, but he has no interest in doing it. So uh, yeah, maybe he'll do it. I don't know, you never know. Okay, yeah, last, last question. Um, what Says did you, you have to promise um, Susan to uh, have her allow you to help co-write her books? Where's that coming from? <laughs> Is that Susan saying that was, that? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, you know, Sue had, uh, we didn't talk about, you know, bigger words for little geniuses, and that's, um, it was Susan's idea, and this is our third, actually, and what, it's an alphabet book, and, but it's not like A is for apple, C is for cat, it's like, you know, C is for catawampus, and, uh, you know, it's all big words. And parents and, our grandparents and the kids, you know, really get a kick out of it because it's funny. And the kids wind up being able to pronounce the words better than the adults. And, and it does get the kids into you know, like thinking about language a little bit, uh, which is cool, and being interested in books. And, and it is very interactive, which is very cool. One of the, the neat things about the book, which I'll talk to kids sometimes about, is that you, you look at these big words, but the reality of it is every word that there is in every language, um, somebody invented it. (laughs) It didn't just come down from Olympus. I mean, you know, somebody invented every single word there is, including catawampus and all these other crazy words. And kids get a kick out of that. You know, they'll say, ooh, can I invent words? They're starting to do it more now on the internet, people just inventing words, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Well, please join me in thanking Jessica Strasser and Mr. James Patterson.
0: Special thanks to the Library Foundation for funding the Writer-in-Residence program. You can meet Jessica at various events throughout the year. Learn more by visiting cincinnatilibrary.org slash writerinresidence. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss future episodes. And leave us a review. It helps other book lovers find us. Thank you for listening.